0: Welcome back to the Savio Podcast. I am Father Tyler Tenbards, the chaplain and director of the Father DDA House of Discernment in Evansville, Indiana, and the vocation director for the Diocese of Evansville. In this installment, we're going to be reading chapters seven and eight of the life of Dominic Savio, as written by St. John Bosco. In these two chapters, we now hear that Dominic has gotten to the oratory at Torino, where St. John Bosco, or Father Bosco, is now uh, over him, is now guiding him, is now his mentor. And here at the oratory, we find out that life for Dominic wasn't always perfect just because he was at a school for uh, some of the most Catholic and best boys around. There were also some kids who were there who needed uh, more help and more training and more formation. And we see what it was like for Dominic to begin to mingle and mix with them. If you'd like to follow along, you can check out the link in the show notes to read along with the online PDF of the English translation of this book. Or you can simply Google for it and find it yourself. We are glad that you're with us again to hear and learn about this young saint who shows us that holiness is possible for everyone. Chapter 7 of the Life of Dominic Savio, written by Father John Bosco. Dominic comes to the oratory of St. Francis of Sales, his manner of life. Nothing is more characteristic of youth than its tendency to changeableness. A decision is taken on a certain thing today, tomorrow, all will be changed. There may be virtue in a heroic degree one day, but on the next, the opposite may manifest itself. And this is where there is need of guidance and firmness in education, lest unhappy results should follow. There was no sign whatever of this in Dominic. All of the virtues seemed to grow together in him, and he was able to practice them all in combination." Directly he came to the oratory, he came to my room, in order to place himself, as he said, entirely in the hands of his director. He at once caught sight of an inscription above, uh, which bore the favorite words of St. Francis de Sales, Da mihi animas ketore tole. He began to read it attentively, and I desired him to grasp the meaning, so I helped him to make it out, the translation from Latin being, Give me souls, take away everything else. He seemed to reflect a moment, and then he said, "I think I understand here. the aim is not to gain money but to win souls, and I hope that my soul will be included in the number. His mode of life was just the routine of life of schoolwork, and at first, there was nothing extraordinary to remark beyond his scrupulous observance of every rule at study or at any other duty. He was at once diligent and zealous, convinced that the Word of God is the guide to heaven." He was particularly attentive to instructions and sermons, and from them he gathered maxims and rules of conduct which formed his constant guide. He always made a point of asking for explanations of difficulties, and thus he was able to make continual progress in virtue and in exactness in performance of his duties, so that it would be difficult to go beyond the excellence he attained. He had already requested the favor of having his faults pointed out so that his conduct towards all became equally praiseworthy. He was very apt at noticing what should be avoided in the conduct of a companion and when should, and what should be imitated, and Dominic chose his companions accordingly. The year 1854 was drawing rapidly to its close. It was a memorable year throughout the Catholic world, for all were awaiting the declaration of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. We at the Oratory were preparing to celebrate the occasion with due solemnity and endeavoring to draw some spiritual advantage from it. Savio was one of those who felt a desire to celebrate the great day in the manner most acceptable to Our Lady. He wrote out on nine pieces of paper an act of virtue to be practiced every day of the novena, drawing out one each day. These he faithfully put into practice, and he approached the sacraments with great devotion. On the evening of December 8th, Dominic knelt before the altar of Our Lady, and with the approval of his confessor, renewed the promise he made at his first communion begging particularly that he might be faithful to the last of the four, repeating his petition several times. Strengthened thus in fervor by his recourse to the Immaculate Mother of God, his conduct appeared so edifying and included such acts of virtue that I began to note them down so as I would not forget them. Coming now to describe the particular doings of the boy, I find that I am confronted with quite an array of events and virtuous actions deserving of mention. For the sake of greater clearness, I propose to group together certain incidents which deal with one phase or one particular matter, rather than to adhere to a strict chronological sequence. Chapter 8. His Studies at the Oratory, His Conduct at School, and His Dealings with Quarrels and Special Dangers Having already laid a good foundation at Mondonio for the study of Latin, and owing to his powers of application and exceptional talent, Dominic was soon raised to the fourth class, which, according to the present scholastic arrangements, would correspond to the second course of Latin grammar. During this course, he was one of the pupils of Professor Bonzanino, for at that time, classes for students were not yet conducted at the oratory itself. Were I to speak here of his conduct, of the advancement he made, of his exemplary behavior, I should have to repeat what his previous masters had already said of him. I shall therefore restrict myself to relating some incidents which were noted down during this period by those who were closely associated with him. The professor himself often said that he could not recollect ever having had a pupil more attentive, more respectful, than young Savio, for he was quite a model in everything. There was never any affectation about his manner or appearance. He was always careful and courteous so that his companions, many of whom were drawn from good families— were anxious to become friendly and to converse with him. If the professor noticed a pupil who was restless and troublesome, he contrived to put him near Dominic, who in his own tactful way was sure to get him to keep silent and apply himself to study or the work that they had in hand. It is during this year that the record of Dominic's life gives us an incident full of heroism, in which is the more remarkable when his youth is taken into consideration, for he was only 14 when he came to the oratory. The occurrence in question concerns two of his school fellows, between whom a quarrel, a fierce quarrel, had arisen, on account of some remarks on a point of family honor. The quarrel proceeded from the exchanging of insults to the giving of blows and stone-throwing. Dominic came to hear of this quarrel, but he saw the difficulty of trying to interfere, for both boys were older and bigger than he was. However, he found means for approaching each of them in turn— Urged them to give up their hatred, and pointed out that anger and revenge were both against the commandments of God. He wrote to each of them, threatening to acquaint their parents and their master, but the headstrong boys were not to be influenced. Their minds had become so embittered that all the entreaties were vain. Apart from the risk of bodily injury to themselves, Dominic was most concerned with the offense against God, and he was eager to find some means of effectually interfering with effect but was perplexed as to the manner of doing so. He then seemed to have some inspiration. He waited for the boys after school, and contriving to speak to each one alone, he said, Since you will persist in this insane and sinful quarrel, I ask you to accept one condition. Each agreed, provided it did not interfere with their challenge of a fight with stones, and indulged in some very unbecoming language in reference to their enemies. The very language was enough to make Savio shudder, but desirous of preventing a greater evil, he said, The condition I wish to impose does not interfere with the challenge. Then what is it? they asked. I shall not tell you until you meet for the duel. They thought he was making a game of them, but Savio insisted he was quite serious and that he would would be on the scene, but neither could conjecture as to what his plan was. The place for the fight was a lonely spot outside of town. The boys, getting more and more incensed or angry, were almost going to fight while on the way, but Dominic managed to prevent them. The scene of action was reached. The boys took up their positions at a little distance from each other and had by them the stones they were going to hurl at each other. Now was Dominic's time for mediation. He stepped in the middle and said, Before you commence to fight, you must fulfill the condition you agreed upon. So saying, he drew out of his coat pocket a crucifix and held it straight up in the air. I desire, he said, That each of you should look on this crucifix, and then, if you will throw, you must throw the stone at me and say, Our Savior died pardoning his very persecutioners. I, a sinner, am about to offend him by an act of open revenge. Having said this, he threw himself on his knees before the one who seemed the most enraged and said, Throw your stone at me. Let me have the first blow. A shiver seemed to grow through the boy, thus addressed. No, he exclaimed, I couldn't do it. I'm not so mean as that. I have nothing against you, Dominic. On hearing this, Dominic turned to the other boy, who had been watching in amazement and made the same proposal to him. Throw one at me. He also refused such a cowardly act. Then Dominic got up and said, with great earnestness, you were both ashamed to commit this act of brutality against me, and yet you would commit it against God and lose your soul by a grievous sin? And then he held up the crucifix again. This proved too much for the two boys about to fight. They were moved by his true Christian charity and his courage. One of them confessed that he had felt a cold shiver and felt thoroughly ashamed that he had forced a friend of Savio's character to take such extreme measures Wishing to make him some amends, he forgave entirely the boy with whom he had quarreled and promised to go to confession at once. Thus Dominic secured a victory for charity and taught the boys a valuable lesson. Is it too striking an act of courage to recommend, for example, to young schoolboys? This incident would have remained a profound secret had it not been related by both boys who were partners in the fight. It will be gathered from this incident that Dominic had gained great influence over his companions, but he often had to put up with annoyances from some who tried to draw him into undesirable practices. On one occasion, in fact, he had almost consented to go off with some boys who wished him to join them playing a game instead of going to school, but the arguments against it arose so vividly before him that he not only rejected the proposal for himself to go, but convinced the others that it would be wrong, and he made them go to school with him. At the end of that year, he was among the very best of those who were promoted to a higher class, but when his next year began, there were already signs that his health would need careful attention, and it was thought more prudent to let him have some private teaching at the oratory, where intervals of rest and fewer tasks could be given to him. Under this arrangement, his health seemed to improve a good deal, so that he was sent out again to the higher classes in the town, and this time to Professor Pico who held the highest estimation as a teacher. Several interesting facts are recorded of this year of rhetoric, and they are to be related in their turn as the narrative of this book proceeds. That concludes chapters 7 and 8 of The Life of Dominic Savio, written by Father John Bosco. I hope you guys are finding this as interesting as I am. Uh, the first time I read this book a few years ago, it just struck me how much, uh, well, I, I guess the number one thing is how much uh, a priest would remember about one of his people. <laughs> I just think that's so great. Maybe it's because I have a, a priestly heart now that I've been a priest for a while. Um, that, that, a, that Your priest really does pay attention to you. Um, he tries to know you. He he sees, he knows your sins because you go to confession to him. He sees when you mess up. He sees you walk in late for Mass or, you know, or whatever needs to happen. He sees it, Right. But at the same time, he also sees what's good, and uh, I think it's so profound that uh, D- uh, Dominic Savio, the reason we know so much about his life is because Father John Bosco, um, he knew him. His priest knew him, and I think it's so powerful. Anyways, in this in these couple of chapters, there's both a very interesting story, and then also just some good points uh, for us to think about in general. Uh, the story which we'll get to is the uh, the fight, which we just ended with. It's such a good story. It takes the better part of the entire chapter 8, um, one of the longest stories in the whole book, actually. And it shows us her heroism. But first, I want to make a few points from chapter seven. Um, first of all, the opening lines of chapter seven nothing is more characteristic of youth than its tendency to changeableness. <laughs> a decision taken on one thing today is tomorrow gone and changed, right? I love that line because whenever you're a kid or you're a teenager, man, that's what how things are, right? Like you're like all on fire one day to go, you know, play baseball or something. And then a couple of weeks later, you've started and you're like, mm, actually, I hate baseball. Or, or you say, you know, yeah, I really want to go to this kid's house on Friday night. And when Thursday comes around the day before, you're like, actually, I don't want to go there at all. Um, Or, Mom, I want this for Christmas. By the time the Christmas comes, you don't want that thing anymore because you've moved on to something else. Um, I say those things, and typically parents and uh, coaches and everybody else can actually get pretty frustrated about that changeableness, but I just want to say it's okay. it's okay to be like that. Um, your mind is growing. Your your body is changing. Um, and it's okay to, to to have one favorite thing one day or one plan one day and, and something new tomorrow. It's part of growing up and kind of becoming who you are. But I also want to say, as I say that it's okay, to also say to, to trust your parents and your coaches, your mentors, your teachers, your priests. Um, trust them because they, they've been around a little bit longer and they've got the bigger view in mind for you. And sometimes it's better to stick to what you said before, even if you don't like it, because sometimes you might find that, yeah, actually that you did like it. You were just kind of going on a whim. Sometimes you'll find out that actually it was not for you, but having done it, will confirm that. So anyways, I think that's a nice way to start the chapter because that's how everybody feels when they're teenagers. Everything is changing. Um, Another thing I wanted to point out from that chapter was that uh, Dominic always made it a point of asking questions when he wasn't sure of something in class. How many of you Raise your hand in class. How many of you raise your hand every single day at school? At least once, at least once during the day at school, you raise your hand. Um, I think if I could recommend one thing to you for, your, for learning uh, in the classroom, it would be that you make sure your hand goes up at least one time every single day. Because if your hand goes up and you're, you're giving an answer, you're going to get confirmed in what you know, or you're going to get challenged in what is wrong. And the times your hands go up are the times where you remember clearly what the true answer or the wrong answer really is. Secondly, if it's not about an answering a question, it's asking a question, the kids who ask the most questions in class are the kids who get the best grades or at least make the most improvement because they're the ones who are not, uh, they're not too full to, to have something added to them. I mean, it's like a bucket, right? A bucket full of water. How much water can go into that bucket? None, Right. But a bucket that's empty, like someone who says, I am I am a dry sponge, you can soak up all kinds of new good things. So there is no such thing as a dumb question. There's only people who are uh, maybe less wise for not asking them. Then finally, the, from, from chapter 7 that I want to point out, was that uh, on um, December 8th, the evening of December 8th, Dominic got a chance to renew his promises he made on his first communion. It said especially the last four resolutions that he had made. We know what those four resolutions are, right? The short version is just the four words, which is pray, and you guys know the rest, Feast, befriend, sacrifice. Or I'm going to go to confession and communion as often as I can. Um, Pray feast as I'm going to celebrate Sundays and feast days in a special way. Uh, pray, feast, befriend. My friend shall be Jesus and Mary. And then pray, feast, befriend. Sacrifice. The last one is I would rather die than commit a sin. He renewed those promises Renewed those promises later in life, and I think it's good for us to be reminded that it's uh, that it's good for us to renew the things that matter the most to us. All right. Now, now we just move on straight to the big story. Then uh, the heroic story of him stopping a fight. How many of you guys have ever seen a fight at your school or at the playground or um, at the, on the tennis court or something like that? Uh, I, would, I would assume many of you have seen a quarrel, if not an all-out fist fight. Um, I saw them whenever I was a kid too. Um, those are some of the scariest things, especially um, if you're a smaller guy and you're uh, not able to do much about it. Anyways, Dominic saw this happening, right? These two boys that were kind of, they were quote-unquote defending their family honor. And so someone must have said something about the other guy's mom or sibling or something, right? And because of that, they were going to go have a fight. Well, this had gone on for a while because they were, they were clearly going back and forth, and they had planned the fight out at a different location that was not at the oratory and not at the school. And so they were, they, this had been going on for a while, so Dominic had a lot of time to think about how to try to fix this. Well, he implored both of them individually, hey, you stop, right? Stop. You don't need to do this. It's, it's ridiculous. And the boys wouldn't listen, which actually is what the Lord tells us to do. In fact, he tells us uh, if you have a, if a problem, go to the person. And if the person won't listen, then you go to the person again with another person, like a witness or like someone who can back you up. And if that doesn't work, then you go to the people in charge, right? Jesus says the church or like the authorities. And like, that's when the teacher would come in to stop them. So Dominic did what he's supposed to do first. I go to the guy and go to each of the guys themselves. He couldn't get them to quit. And so finally he said, ah, I've got an idea. I know I can get them to quit because I know that they will not go as low as throwing stones at an innocent person. And so he says to them before they go off to their place where they're going to fight, he says, "Will you both agree to do one thing that I ask you before you fight. And they're like, well, as long as it doesn't stop our fight, like as long as you're not going to physically say don't fight, um, then sure, we'll do your thing. And so they say, well, what is it? And he goes, well, I'll tell you when we get there. So they walk off together as they're walking in there. It even says in the chapter that the boys almost started to fight themselves, fight with each other as they were walking. It's like they were really mad, right? And that's what, you tell, that's what it's telling us. Anyway, so they got to the place where they're going to fight. Dominic said, wait before you go my turn. I mean, the boys were ready. Like they were standing at a distance from each other, but they both had a pile of rocks beside them. That's dangerous. I mean, come on, you know, standing with their piles of rocks. I'm sure the other kids are all surrounding watching this going on too. Anyways, they're standing with their piles of rocks. Uh, Dominic says, my turn. He walks to the center of them, reaches into his uh, pocket, pulls out a crucifix, holds it straight up in the air over his head. There's actually a painting of this you can find uh, online. There's um, of Dominic holding a crucifix over his head. And he says, okay, if you want to fight, throw your stones at me, because I didn't do anything wrong. And as you do it, I want you to tell the Lord you're throwing the stones at him, right? Because again, Matthew 25, chapter 25, whatever you do to, the, to, the, uh, to others, you do to the Lord. That's including bad things and good. And by doing so, by holding up that crucifix, both of the boys realized the error of their ways. Dominic fell to his knees in front of one of them, the one who seemed more angry and said, why don't you do it? Come on, throw the stone. Go for it. Throw the stone at me. And the boy's like, how could I possibly do that to you? I'm I'm ashamed. And then while this is happening, while he's, while he's kind of having his moment of conversion, this uh, boy that's about to fight, and Dominic's on his knees, the boy who's across the way is watching this and going, oh my gosh, like, he's watching in amazement, as, as Bosco writes. So then Dominic turns around and says, your turn, you want to fight too? And then both of them realize, like, we can't, you know, this is ridiculous, why, did we, why were we going to fight um, and so they both agree that, that they're going to stop, they're going to make up, they're going to uh, offer each other forgiveness, um, and then they're also going to make amends and go to confession. I love that too. You know, that, that's one thing about the sacrament of confession that most people don't think about, that... If you're going to go to confession, um, that's about getting right with God, right? So in confession, you you, you tell the priest your sins, and the priest represents uh, God on this earth um, through the church's um, power of binding and loosing. So the tr- the priest can hear your sins and um, offer you forgiveness on behalf of God and His Church. But that but that forgiveness is not um, so. Let, let's let's say these two boys, right? You're in a, you're mad at somebody because they made a joke about your family. You're going to fight them. You realize you shouldn't do it. So you go to a confession and say, "Father, I was about ready to have a fight. Please forgive me for my anger, for the bad words that I said. Forgive me for wanting to fight this other kid and want to hurt him." And the priest says, "I absolve you of your sins, Father, Son of the Spirit of Men." Now, have you have you been forgiven by the other boy yet? No. Um, and confession, it's a vertical conversation between you and God. Yeah, the priest is listening, but he can never talk about it or ever act on it again. And therefore, you know for sure it doesn't have anything to do with things in this world or horizontal. It's the vertical that gets in line, righteousness with God. When you leave the confessional before you go to it, you need to go back to the other person that you offended and say, hey, do you forgive me? Or I offer you forgiveness or here's the money back. Or And that's part of what penances are for. I mean, typically, when someone comes to me, for example, and they say that, you know, I haven't been listening to my mom or dad or I've been mean to them or something. I often, very often will give a penance of something like, well, offer a Hail Mary for your mom and our father for your dad, because I'm not going to make you go to your parents and tell them all the things that you did that they don't know about, because I can't make you, you know, reveal yourself after a confession in order to be forgiven in order to do your penance. But I do think it's helpful to say, well, I was, since I was bad with my mom and dad, I'm going to offer prayers for them, right? Vertical, to ask God to bless them, horizontal, and then it'll often often soften my heart as well, so the next time I'm less likely to scream back or disobey or whatever. Anyways, I think this is a really good example of reminding us of the, the need for both the me and God relationship and me and other people relationship that happens uh, through the sacrament of confession. Anyways, I hope you enjoy these chapters. Uh, they're both really good. Um, they, they show kind of what Dominic was like in school. He, he, Even though he was there and he tried to find the good friends, he didn't, they didn't always come around. And there's always going to be bad kids no matter where you are. And sometimes you're going to be the bad one, too. And you got to have good friends to be around you to kind of put you back on track or to help you out, to stay on, on track whenever you uh, might be tempted um, by somebody else. Actually, oh, I, meant, I meant to say that. Um, that one that also mentioned in the chapter that dominic was tempted to go play games instead of going to school basically to skip out on school one day and so it wasn't that dominic just didn't have any fun or never he was so perfect that he never had any temptation um clearly in this chapter we already see that he did he was tempted to, to cut school but he decided not to because he realized uh, the, the arguments were presented before his eyes for those who've been to savio re- recently this fall uh, of 2021 you remember that one of the things i said was that uh, whenever you're heading in the direction of sin The evil one proposes pleasurable ideas like, oh, isn't that going to feel good or going to be good? Don't you think that this is going to happen, right? And that proposes these false pleasures. And the Holy Spirit does the opposite. He, uh, He tries to get you back on track with true reasons, rational arguments. And so what John Bosco wrote... Is that Dominic saw the arguments before his eyes clearly, you should not go to play games, you should be in school, that's where you need to be. that's where you it's, your parents are paying for this, like you got to get your grades done, you gotta get your grades up, et cetera, et cetera. And all these rational arguments which don't seem nearly as enticing or as attractive as oh, wouldn't that be fun to go skip skip school for a day? The rational arguments is the voice of God whenever you're looking at doing something wrong. The rational stuff is the Holy Spirit. So pay, pay attention to the arguments, the rational arguments, the, uh, the thinking, not the feeling in those moments of temptation. So just a good reminder there. Anyway, I hope that you're learning from this. Uh, I hope that you're enjoying this podcast. We will continue to upload more and more episodes of chapters as we get guys to read them, and so that we can always uh, get closer to Jesus Christ, to follow him in our vocations, and to be more like St. Dominic Savio, who is our model and our patron.